I remember seeing a body laying on the ground. And I remember looking at the body and a wing coming over my shoulder and them looking at me and saying, you mustn't weep for the body. And the feeling of, of peace and love was just so overwhelming that I was in ecstasy. I thought, this is the greatest thing that anyone could ever experience. When the doctor that had kept visiting me, um, that I seemed to have a good rapport with, came into my room and I wrote on my uh, signboard, I said, this was the most beautiful experience I had ever had. He put his hands in his pockets and he kind of looked at me and he says, well, we don't normally have our trauma patients tell us that. When people come back from a near-death experience, very often they have been touched by the light. Even if they've just um, bounced out of their bodies and are very close still, they haven't gone very far out, it doesn't matter. Their whole paradigm of their reality has changed. The patients that you have just seen have all had near-death experiences, also known as NDEs. Most caregivers know little of this phenomenon because patients are often reluctant to talk about it, and few programs deal with this aspect of patient care. In many cases, medical professionals' lack of training has led to patients being ignored, mislabeled as psychotic, or inappropriately medicated, sometimes with devastating consequences. This training video about near-death experience covers the following topics. Definition and frequency, common characteristics, types, impact of medical professionals' reactions, suggested protocol, and referral information. As an intern in a veteran's hospital, critical care physician Lauren Belge was confronted with a veteran who had had an NDE and who was refusing another surgery. My first experience with what I would call a near-death experience uh, probably came to my attention whenever I was a resident in internal medicine. I was working in a VA hospital. I was uh, working on a surgical ward and working with a particular patient who was facing some surgery. It was a surgery that was necessary for uh, ischemic bowel, uh, bowel that is starved of blood and is starting to experience cellular death, and that can be very life-threatening for the patient. So it was recommended that he undergo surgery. And whenever I approached him about it, he said, absolutely not. I will never undergo surgery again. And under, wanting to understand um, what, he, what his fears were, I thought perhaps it was the fear of going under anesthesia um, or experiencing pain. I wasn't really sure what his fears were. He said, they didn't put me out. I saw the whole surgery. I said, did you feel any pain? He said, no, but I saw the whole surgery. And I understood how surgery is set up, that there is a sterile field that separates the face from the, the field of operation where they're working on the abdomen. And he had had previous ab uh, abdominal surgery. So I knew that physically it was impossible for him to have seen the surgery. In that um, procedure, he experienced what we would probably explain as a separation of consciousness, where he was actually to observe from a different vantage point what was going on with his physical body. And that piqued my curiosity. I, I thought um, this is certainly a, a situation that was 
prohibitive to any other interventions as far as he was concerned. And unfortunately, he ended up passing away from complications of his condition because of his refusal to have the procedure. As you can see from this example of a veteran's unnecessary death, NDEs need to be understood and addressed by the medical community. So what is an NDE? Contrary to what some people may think, simply coming close to death by itself is not a near-death experience. Here is a definition from the International Association for Near-Death Studies. A near-death experience, or NDE, is a profound psychological event that may occur to a person close to death or, if not near death, in a situation of physical or emotional crisis. Because it includes transcendental and mystical elements, an NDE is a powerful event of consciousness. It is not mental illness. Most people have heard accounts of NDEs, but how common are they? Well, several studies uh, have shown that near-death experiences occur to between 10 and 20% of people who are documented to come close to death, for example, with a cardiac arrest. Um, that translates to about 5% of the general population. There are a few things that I think all healthcare professionals should know about near-death experiences. First, just that they are common. They happen very frequently. And secondly, and probably more importantly, they are a normal experience that happens under unusual circumstances. Um, they are not in any way associated with mental illness, with any other medical disorders. Uh, they happen to all types of people, all ages, both genders, all ethnic backgrounds. And having a mental illness, a psychiatric disorder, does not make it any more or less likely that you will have a near-death experience, nor does it determine the type of experience you will have. So I think healthcare uh, professionals need to approach these as normal experiences that people have that may, however, be distressing to them until they can understand what the experience is all about. I think the doctor's responses really impacted my healing because I had the surgery the next day and was in the hospital for three days and then home recovering. That whole time was spent thinking about and worrying about what had happened that I couldn't explain to myself. I had nothing to draw from. I had no terms to use. What did I have? Did that ever happen to anybody else? I needed to know that. I felt very isolated and alone by having the medical professionals around me not talk about my experience with me. It was very, very hard on me, and I feel that it definitely affected my ability to move towards healing with the problems that I was having with my back and my surgery. Many patients look to their doctors, nurses, and chaplains to inform and reassure them about their NDEs. One of the things that chaplains do besides talk about near-death experiences is also to uh, talk to people who've had them and try to um, give them some comfort and guidance if they're confused or upset by them, or to support them. Uh, this is something that uh, should also be done by the medical staff, the nurses and the doctors. But oftentimes the nurses and the doctors don't have much confidence in, in these reports of mystical experience, and they belittle them, which is really tragic because 
these near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences are um, tremendous um, teaching guides for the person that has them. Um, unfortunately, it's a patient. They're, they're weakened. They're taking meds. They're, uh, perhaps they've just been through surgery. And so they're very, very vulnerable. And even though they are absolutely convinced when you probe it a little bit, that they've had something that was not a dream, was not a hallucination. Still in all, if the doctor comes in and says it was a dream or a hallucination, their uh, confidence is compromised by that. This is very, very bad. It's not, not only is it impolite on the doctor's part, I mean, a doctor would never uh, question a Catholic's faith in Catholicism or a Buddhist faith in Buddha. That's just, uh, that, would, that would be un, totally uncalled for and totally inappropriate. For them to question a near-death experience is equally inappropriate. This is a very important thing that's happened to this person. This is bigger than faith for them. This is something that is real for them. And they cannot attack that. They must not attack that. I was translated immediately, propels immediately into the lights. And when I arrived to that place, I saw coming at me uh, in a magnificent place that actually perme permeated love, acceptance, light, kindness, affection, goodness. And all that actually was permeated, the, the, the atmosphere, including joy and happiness. And I saw coming to me uh, in the form of uh, energy light, Jesus. A doctor or nurse's response to a patient who's had an NDE is really important in that uh, we really already know from research that uh, if an nde -er encounters a professional, discloses their NDE, and gets one of these negative, harmful kind of responses, the nde -er sometimes shuts down and doesn't disclose the NDE again, sometimes for years. Uh, I was only nine years old. I, I, I didn't know what was going on, I, and, and I was very vulnerable to the input that I was getting. And uh, because I got the input I did, I, I wound up cramming it psychologically. And you know, you can't cram psychological, so you can for a while, trauma, but it's gonna come out. It can come out in some different ways too. Uh, some of them not so pretty. And in my case, it certainly did. How it impacted my life. Um, years of depression, years of the struggle, years of am I crazy? The person really is blocked from being able to talk about and process an experience that many NDEers say is the most profound experience of their lives. And so an adverse reaction can really interrupt that process and create problems for the NDE or sometimes for years. Conversely, a positive response helps an NDE to continue to explore and process the experience and integrate it into their life so that they're not, um, they experience minimal distress and minimal disruption of their life. 
A medical professional's response to a patient's NDE is of utmost importance. But how are we to recognize an NDE? As with any condition, there are some identifying characteristics. Some of the common characteristics of near-death experiences are um, people feel a sensation of coming out of their physical body, possibly uh, being up at the ceiling and watching and hearing everything that is happening before them. might be during a resuscitation or during an accident. Um, They will talk about not feeling any pain once there's a separation of the physical body. Um, There may be uh, a movement toward a a tunnel, a light. They go through a tunnel. Um, They will see departed um, loved ones there to greet them. They may see um, a superior being. Patients may go through one or all of these aspects of the near-death experience. Here is a list of some of the more common traits. Perceiving consciousness as outside of the body going through a dark space, meeting deceased family and friends or spiritual beings, seeing a loving being of immense light, having a life review, visiting a place where all knowledge exists, being given a choice or being told that he or she must go back, coming back into the body. Although NDEs occur to many different types of people in widely varied cultures and circumstances, the accounts that they give are remarkably similar. Uh, The way I see it, it's far more amazing the similarities between all these NDEs, and especially given the tremendous range of kind of physiological and pathological conditions that that, uh, uh, get people in there. Uh, Given all that huge variety, uh, it's amazing the, what the consistency is in all of these experiences and how many similarities they are. And another finding from our research is that the deeper the near-death experience, the greater the likelihood that the, the NDE perceived the professional's response as negative, distressing, and harmful. And so that means that an NDE that includes a lot of features, going into the light and seeing deceased loved ones and having a life review, it starts to sound weirder and weirder, and the professional is more and more likely to respond in a negative way. So, But once again, knowing that none of those features really warrants uh, an adverse reaction is a really important factor. Um, Other advice that I have is for professionals to examine their own attitudes, their pre-existing beliefs about um, transpersonal experiences, uh, that is, experiences that transcend the usual limits of space or time, and also about death and things like survival of consciousness after death, and that those attitudes are uh, probably an important factor in how people respond as well. Yeah, if um, if one of my patients had uh, come to me before my coma and told me the same story that I tell, I would have been very sympathetic and and uh, said, "Oh yes, you were very very sick. Your brain was soaking in pus. We didn't think you were going to live through it at all, much less recover. And when the brain is that sick, anything can happen." 
And, um, you know, I would have basically tried to, you know, be there for them and say, yes, yes, you were very, very sick. And, you know, just you can forget about all this because it's, uh, you know, when the brain's that sick, all kinds of things can happen. Um, but it's just the, the brain, uh, you know, close to death. And I would have said, pay it no mind. And, of course, I now realize I would have been absolutely wrong. One of the biggest sources of frustration for me as a psychiatrist is that many in the mental health field confuse near-death experiences, visionary experiences with hallucinations, and they're very different. Unfortunately, there's very little training for mental health professionals to learn about and understand those differences. Um, and part of the confusion comes from the fact that there are many similarities between visionary experiences, like near-death experiences, and hallucinations. They're often a solitary experience are usually unshared, so others around don't often share the experience. Um, they're uh, often occur in an altered state of consciousness, which we could consider death an altered state of consciousness. Um, uh, they may be associated with medical uh, conditions that require many medications. So there are many similarities, but there are many distinctions also. Um, typically, people that have hallucinations find their experience uncomfortable, frightening. Sometimes it leads to actions which are detrimental, and they don't tend to have positive effects in people's lives. Just the opposite is true when people have a near-death experience. They tend to um, have very positive effects overall from their experience. It tends to be something that leads them to positive change and growth in their life. Near-death experiences are not all the same. They can be divided into four broad categories which often overlap. The first is an initial experience in which the person perceives consciousness as separated from the body while possibly still hearing and observing the scene nearby. The second type is pleasant or heaven-like, having some of these features, a tunnel, family reunions, reassuring religious figures, and or life reviews. A third type is classified as transcendent, and it may include exposure to other dimensions and an encounter with a loving, bright light. Finally, a few people may have distressing or hell-like NDEs, which may evoke extreme fear, but cause no actual pain. In time, these occurrences may have a positive value for the experiencer. And in fact, about 10% of people that have near-death experiences is estimated have frightening or distressing near-death experiences. Some people have labeled those bad near-death experiences, but I think we have to be careful about putting such value judgments on them. Just as in everyday life, there are sometimes experiences which are uncomfortable or frightening, but can be growth-promoting as well. Also, some people that have distressing or uncomfortable near-death experiences find them to be very helpful in terms of catalyzing positive change in their lives. So I think we have to be very careful about placing value judgments on people's experience. And instead of doing that, help them understand the experience for themselves and what significance it has in their life. I think it's important for healthcare workers to be aware that their patients may be having these experiences. Um, often people who have a near-death experience will feel a need to talk about it, but they are looking for some sign from the health professional that they're open to hearing it. So I think it's, it's hard for a healthcare worker in the crush of a resuscitation to think about the psychological needs of the patient you're trying to revive them. But it's helpful to think that this person is going through some unusual experience and may need to talk about it and to allow that person to do so.
Some of the most common um, experiences that patients convey to me are the classic um, being up above themselves looking down on the experience. And we encounter that most commonly during acute trauma, if someone's come in from a, a motor vehicle accident, for instance, or during a cardiac arrest. Uh, probably at least half of the experiences that I encounter that re are related to me by patients are them watching us work on their physical body from a vantage point that is, is above and removed. Um, when my near-death experience occurred and I left my body on the x-ray table, um, there was a continuous stream of consciousness that occurred. When I shut my eyes in my body, I blinked them open a second later to hear the x-ray tech calling code blue below me. And I witnessed uh, the room underneath me. I was up on the ceiling. And in looking down, I was looking at my body and I immediately said, oh, uh, if I'm up here and my body's down there, then I must have died. Um, I've had patients come back and describe to me uh, days later what I was wearing while they were physically unconscious and clinically deceased uh, from cardiac death. I have had patients come back and uh, recount conversations that I had with other members of the medical team while we were resuscitating them. Um, when I know that they were not conscious, I know that they were, uh, they met the criteria of clinical death. So that is so affirming, not just for me, but for the patients. It's actually life affirming to have such an experience in the middle of physical death. And I have um, only rarely met patients who didn't come back transformed from that. I have met patients who did not have a context for what they experienced and will try to fit it into a context that they are familiar with. Some people will describe it as a dream. I dreamt that I was above my body looking down and I dreamt that you were wearing a green shirt while you were working on me when in fact I was. And you know, we can put it into context. But if you know, in our culture, we don't have a context for that language. And it's very difficult to describe a phenomenon that we don't have an agreed upon language. You know, we're not here to assign value to something that the patient experienced. We are here to be of service in the event of a near-death experience, as we would describe it, to help them understand if there's meaning for, the, for, for them in this experience. That's our sole purpose, is to provide safe space. Our purpose is not to interpret for them. We're not qualified to do so. Our purpose, our, our gift is to ask them open and honest questions to help them interpret the experience and to validate it. When I became intensely curious about what was going on and trying to think of a safe way to broach the subject with patients, I settled on asking them, did anything unusual happen? And that seems to be a safe question because if nothing unusual happened to them during cardiac death, it's not going to register them as a question that is out of the ordinary. If something did happen, it provides a springboard for us to ask other questions. I think one of the most important things we can do is provide open-ended questions that don't require a particular response, but invitational questions of what, you ex what did you experience? Tell me more about that. Tell me, did that have any meaning for you? Often, the near-death experience is more upsetting for the family of the experiencer than the experiencer, him or herself. 
um, because they don't understand what happened. They don't understand why this person suddenly seems different, may have different attitudes, different beliefs, different values. Um, and they may seek help from a doctor or a nurse or a clergyman. I think it's very important in this circumstance to have the caregiver tell the family that, number one, these are common experiences. Number two, these are normal experiences. And number three, um, your loved one is still the same person. They may have a different perspective on things now, um, but they still are people. They're still the same person you've, you've known. And we need to work with them on how to integrate this unusual experience into their lives again. Patients should be referred to the International Association of Near-Death Studies. We have groups in many, many states, 40 states. We have, I think, about 15 international groups. And the groups can, um, they can go to a group and share their experience and have time with other experiencers. Um, if they call the office, we will have somebody there to talk with them. We will send them materials. Um, to the degree that we need to, I have called patients and um, talked to them and just reassure them that they're okay. One of my hopes is that we can raise awareness among providers about the fact that this phenomenon does exist. Whether it's something that we can prove scientifically or not actually becomes quite irrelevant. It is a subjective experience that the patient has that we need to honor and provide um, an invitation for patients to process that. One of the things that I hope will come out of this uh, discussion about near-death experiences is that healthcare providers uh, in particular will be more open to experiences that often get labeled as pathological or related to some sort of illness and understand that many people have experiences that are, although extraordinary, they're still normal. And if we can open up our minds and our hearts, we can learn a lot from people who are having these experiences. Well, I think it's important to recognize that uh, the near-death experience uh, comes from a very uh, strong basis and to acknowledge uh, and listen uh, and validate what a person is saying, just to be there uh, and hear what they, they have to say and, and try and help them to uh, talk about it and kind of examine it in the light of being back in this physical reality, uh, that it helps the patient tremendously. I think it, it also will end up helping uh, the healthcare provider very much. And in fact, our whole world will be much better off as we kind of take the lid off and allow people to uh, report what they, what they go through in these, these kinds of mystical journeys because there's a tremendous amount of, of wisdom that can be brought back. We know that NDEs are fairly common and that they have a profound impact on patients who experience them. Again, to review, here are the steps that medical professionals can take to help those patients who have had NDEs more easily integrate that experience into their lives. Listen. Set aside personal beliefs. Treat an NDE as a patient care issue. Show interest. Ask initial questions. Give the patient an opening to talk. Ask open-ended questions. Reassure the patient and the family. Provide information. Refer to www.iands.org. Refer to counseling if necessary. 
By following these procedures, you can help your patients who have had NDEs heal both emotionally and physically. I was afraid to say anything, but the nurse asked me a question. The chaplain said other people experienced the same thing. I liked my doctor. She listened to me. My doctor helped my family to understand what happened to me. I am so grateful.